So glad to be able to come together once again. It's good, so good to have each one of you, especially those who are visiting. I know we have visitors in our midst, and we are so thankful that you are here. And our prayer is that you will be blessed and encouraged uh, through this service. I see we have many of our number who are out of town, uh, as it is the holiday season. Uh, it's a great blessing to know that people are able to get together with their families and to uh, reunite and to catch up on the things that have transpired in the last year. Today is a special day, and I say that on for multiple reasons. Today we come together, and in our society, they, they have chosen December 25th as a day that we celebrate as Christmas. Now, it is a holiday. I would say it's a, a holiday that we accept nationally. However, as far as a spiritual holiday, we have a spiritual holiday today as well. Because this is the anniversary of Christ our Lord's resurrection. Christ rose from the dead, and because of that, on the first day of the week, he instituted a meeting of Christians each Lord's Day, each first day of the week, as we see the example in Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. However, as we come together, there is great joy in knowing that we have the blessing to be together. There's great joy in knowing that although the, the birth of Christ is not the significance while we're here, we are still very thankful to know that Christ came and that Christ lived a perfect life and that he died so that one day we could live with him in heaven. Today I would like you to go ahead and focus in in the first chapter of Luke. In the first chapter of Luke we'll be noticing uh, early on in Mary's life before she was married, before she, before she had any children, there's a story or there's a historical account here of the things that were about to come to pass. In Luke chapter 1, if you go back through the chapter, I want to give you a little background before we get into our lesson. Uh, the angel comes, the angel Gabriel actually comes to Mary uh, at Galilee, and while she's there, Gabriel reveals unto her that there's going to be a son that is born. That son is not any son, but rather this is the Son of God. Mary goes then to visit her close kin, her, her relative, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, we know, was pregnant at the time with John the Baptist, and when she goes and she meets with Elizabeth, at the greeting, the babe, John the Baptist, jumps inside the womb of, of Elizabeth, and by the inspiration of God, by, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth at that point acknowledges that the baby inside of Mary is the Son of God, which brings us to Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, we'll notice Mary's praise be to God. She has a moment where she gives much praise to God for the great things that transpire, for the great things that are happening, and for knowing that the Lord is coming through her. If you would, I'd encourage you to go ahead and zone in on verse 46 and verse 47 where Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now, not that long ago, almost a year now, I had the opportunity to be around when uh, Charlie, my daughter, came into the world. 
I understand from a, from a, a point as a parent the great joy that is experienced. Not only do I understand the joy as a parent, but I think to uh, many of our friends in this congregation that have also had that same joy in bringing a child into the world, and I can celebrate with them and enjoy the, the greatness of knowing that a life is coming into the world. So there's great joy in that. There's probably even greater joy in knowing that it's your own child that's coming into the world, but now we come to Mary. She raises the bar one step higher because Mary is bringing a child into the world that's not only not only a man-child, but this man-child is the Son of God. This, this child is born to a virgin. So we have a special birth that takes place that has never taken place before, that would never take place again. And we can only imagine the joy, the glory that, that Mary wants to give to God at this point as she knows what's about to transpire. And so she... She, she points out at this point, she, she gives praise to God and says, my, my soul magnifies the Lord. She says, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. I can only imagine the great joy she had at this point of overwhelming emotion. You know, there's something similar that takes place for Hannah. In Hannah in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 2, verses 1, you can look at through verse 3, Hannah has not expected to have a child. She's, she's up in years in, at this point in her life, and she wants more than anything to have a kid. She wants to have this, this baby who she will devote to the Lord. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, she finds out that Samuel is to be born. And in chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Hannah prays and says, "'My heart rejoices in the Lord. "'My horn is exalted in the Lord.'" I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come, come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. You can go down through the remainder of the prayer through verse 10, and you can see the overwhelming emotion that Elizabeth has knowing... I mean, that Anna has, knowing that Samuel would soon be born to her. I can imagine having a loss for words, not knowing what to say. In fact, not long before Charlie came into this world, I had looked through Luke chapter 1 and noticed that of the praise that, that Mary gives. And I remember standing outside the waiting room as my wife goes back and and we know that we're about to have the baby and they're getting everything ready. I remember thinking in my head, my soul magnifies the Lord. As I sang through a song that we sing, which is the song that, that Mary actually is laying out, the hymn, the, the notes, the prayer, the praise that she lays out. I sing through the notes, I sing through the, the things in my head as I think about the baby that would soon be born to me. But now we have that overwhelmment. You have that overwhelming emotion, but also notice that Mary is going to rec recognize the omnipotence of God. She's going to no notice the all-powerful God, the great God that he is. In Luke chapter 1, notice down just a little bit further in verse 49, it says, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
how great God is. This all-powerful God that can do anything. You know, if you go back a little bit earlier in this chapter, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 34, it's pointed out by Mary, she says, How can this be since I do not know a man? Gabriel tells her, Well, you're going to have a baby. And she says, Whoa, whoa, whoa. She says, Not me. She said, I haven't known a man. She said, I'm a virgin. I haven't ever been with one. I can't have a baby, but yet we know the miracle that takes place. You know, this immaculate conception is something that had been prophesied of. You can go back to Isaiah chapter 7. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. It says, Behold a virgin will have a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. As mentioned earlier, we have this one time that this miraculous, this ma- miraculous baby comes about. Never again, never before. Something that we would never see outside of the Christ. We have the immaculate conception through the all-powerful God. Not only do we see the omnipotence, the all-power of God, but we also see the outpouring of Mary's heart. The excitement from within her causes her to praise God and to, to give us these verses that we're able to read today. You can look throughout the Bible and we see praises over and over. I think of Isaiah chapter 25. It says, O Lord, verse 1, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name for you have done wonderful things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. I think of the 150th Psalm. When you look at the 150th Psalm, really the whole Psalm is a Psalm of praise be to God. You can focus in in verse 6. It says, let everyone or everything that has breath praise the Lord. There's great praise for the Lord in the great things that he has done. So we see the coming of the Immaculate Conception. We see the coming of the Lord who had come through Mary at this point in fulfilling the prophecy. Not only do we see praise that's given to God by Mary, but we see praise for God's grace. Look with me at verse 48 and following. He says, For, Mary, Mary says, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. When you think about God's grace for Mary, you think about, number one, God's unbiasedness. He didn't show bias in choosing when his son's going to come into the world, that he would choose the richest, the most powerful, the the greatest family in all of the world that, that everybody already knew. He didn't choose an earthly kingship as far as one that was in rule, but rather Mary talks about herself as lowly maidservant. Within her time... She wouldn't have been the richest. She wouldn't have been the the most powerful. She wouldn't have been the most well-known. But today, oh, the great blessing. Oh, the, the number of people that know of Mary in bringing Christ into the world. 
Mary's humble attitude of being lowly shows that she really was the right one for the job. Look at verse 28. Previously, when Gabriel comes to her, he says, Rejoice, highly favored one. You can only imagine the reason why God chose her is because of that of the humble attitude. Because of the humble service and, uh, no doubt, faithfulness. You can look down at verse 30 and once again it says, uh, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. We have Mary who would be found in favor. She was living as she was supposed to. God points to the greatness of being lowly or humble throughout the Bible over and over. I think of Matthew chapter 23 and verse 12 where it says, And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We see the, the greatness of having a humble attitude. Not only do we see God's unbiasedness, but we see also his attributes. As you look down through the following verses, verse 49, notice it says, He who is mighty has done great things for me. Not only is God mighty, as was pointed out earlier, but God is giving. God is willing to do for you. God is willing to give to me. You know, God promises us in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, reading the context of Matthew chapter 6, we're not talking about all the earthly riches that you could ever imagine. We're not talking about having all the cars you could ever want. We're not talking about having all the power or all the prestige. But in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about having all the necessities. You'll have everything you need if you seek first the kingdom. So God is a giving God. God also is a merciful God. Notice verse 50. It says, And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. God's mercy show, surely has been shown to us ultimately through the giving of His Son. God's mercy has been show, shown to us in multiple different, multiple different ways, but yet the greatest way is knowing that we have the sacrifice of Christ so that our sins can be washed away. Go on in verse 51 and you'll notice God's strength. It says, He has shown the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He, I'm sorry. He has shown His strength with His arms. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their arms. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. You see, God has great strength. He was able to scatter the proud. He's able to put down the mighty. He's, exalt, he's able to exalt the lowly. And God's strength is shown to us. When I think about God's strength, we too can have strength if we put our strength in the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. True strength comes from God. Nowhere else can it be found. Not only do we see God's strength, but we also see God's care. In verse 53, it says, He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent away empty. God has cared for us. God lifts up the poor. Throughout history, God... God has taken care of those who seek Him. I think to the great story of Lazarus and the rich man. And as Lazarus was there, if you look in at 
Luke chapter 16, catch verse 25. It says, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted. And the rich man, it says, you are tormented. God has taken care of those that put him first. God's design is that today we put him first, and one day we can be exalted, and we can live with him in heaven. You also see that the rich go away without. In um, verse 53, it says, The rich he has sent away empty. Not that, not that God wants us to have nothing, but rather we must keep our focus on that of the Savior. As I think about the overwhelming emotion that Mary has, I think about the, the praise that she gives to God, I can't help but look at the, the lyrics. At the next, I put a song on the screen. There's a, the lyrics of a song which is actually derived completely from the song that Mary recorded. As you look at the song, it says, My soul magnifies. The Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God. You've got the following parts. It says, glory be to God, the Father. Glory be to God, the Son. Glory be to God, the Spirit. Glory be to God. The top, it says, and he has been mindful of me, his servant. You think of Mary as she was a servant of God, and God had been mindful of her and allowed her to bring the child into the world. But we too... As Christians, God has been mindful of me. She says, I will be blessed forever, forever. I will be blessed by the Lord. We're blessed in knowing that we can have redemption through the Christ that Mary brought into the world. It says, God alone is mighty, mighty, or God alone has done great things. God alone is worthy. Holy is his name. As I think about the the things that were going on in Mary's life, I feel like a song means a whole lot more when you understand where it comes from. When you understand the emotion that's going on in Mary's, in Mary's life, understanding that the, the Christ was to be born, I think about my soul magnifying the Lord. I'm going to do something different than we have in times past, and I'm going to ask that we all sing through the first verse together. And if you don't know it, I'm going to come back and we'll sing the first verse again, just so you can catch on. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, my soul magnifies the Do we truly understand what it is to be so ever thankful to know that you're about to bring the Christ into the world? Well, we aren't going to understand it as Mary did, but yet we can have great praise for God. We can magnify the Lord in knowing that Christ was coming into the world so that we could be saved. We can know that Christ came with the purpose of our souls being forgiven, our sins being washed away. We're going to go ahead and sing the first verse 
and the song one time through. And if you don't know the song, it's a very simple song. But yet, the first verse is something that's going to be re repeated. The next verse you add in, the next verse you add in, the next verse you add in. But you can sing the first verse over and over if this is the first time that you've been accustomed to the song. And think about the great joy. Think about the great praise that's going through Mary's mind as she records or as we have the words recorded. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices. In light of the song, I want to focus in at the most important part. Praise for God's promise. You know, God made a great promise and we see it, we see it pointed out. At the end of Luke chapter 1, verse 54 and verse 55. In verse 54 it says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Now notice verse 55. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. That forever includes you and me. Now what he's talking about when he talks about Abraham is that of Genesis chapter 12. The promise of the plan. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3 says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of this country and from your family and from your father's house. Where to? To a land that I will show you. 
Then he says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. He says, I will bless, you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Then he says, and in you will all families or all nations of the earth be blessed. Within the family of Abraham, the promise to Abraham, we have the promise of Christ. We have the promise that the Christ would come. And because of that, we understand the great blessing in Christ. We've got the plan that came about before the world began. You know, it's, it's been thought before that God had an afterthought because there was a problem in the garden that, that since Adam and Eve had sinned, he had to do something in order to save them because he'd messed up. That's definitely not the case. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, you'll notice that God had a plan before then. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it says, Just as he chose us in him, referring to Christ, he says, Before the foundation of the world, before the in the beginning, Genesis 1.1, God had a plan before the foundation of the world in Christ that we could be saved. It says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God had a plan that mankind could be saved through the blood of Christ before the world began. Now in God's plan, from the, from the beginning, there were Gentiles who were included. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, it says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Now that's significant because I don't know about you, but I can't trace my, my roots to that of Judaism. I can't trace my roots to that of the, the seed line that they live in. But yet today, I can live for Christ. I can live and take advantage of the blood that was shed for me because Christ died for all. I think of John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, meaning me, meaning you, meaning all people, Jews and Gentiles, should not perish but have everlasting life. We see that God's plan came from before the world began. We have God give, giving us this promised plan that started out, you could even say, back in the beginning when God promised through Eve that we'd have the crushing blow to Satan. You see in Genesis chapter 12, the, the seed line as it comes down through Abram, and we see it goes and continues until we get to Christ. Galatians chapter 3, referring back also to this same promise, verse 16, he said, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. We are all heirs through the blood of Christ, through the adoption of God into the family of Christ. We all can take advantage of the great blessings in Christ. Notice also the plan in practice. The plan in practice in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 and 29, it says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you all are one. In Christ Jesus. 
If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to his promise. We are heirs in that Christ adopted us into his family. Finally, as we begin to close, notice with me the proclamation of the completed plan. We have a duty to go out and to tell the world about the great message, about the great news, how that Christ came and that Christ lived a perfect life and that Christ died. And within God's plan, we can live with him forever. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. God's plan is that all would be saved through the blood of Christ. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again. They're born again into that family of Christ. You can look at John chapter, John chapter 3, and as you look at John chapter 3, at the very beginning, it talks about the new birth. That new birth is coming into the family of Christ. The question is, are we willing to put Christ first? Are we willing to be a part of the family of Christ? Now, there is things that we have to do on our part. There are things that we have to do in order to be obedient. You know, in Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, they were told to repent and be baptized. And he tells them that the purpose of that was so that their sins could be remitted. At the same time that their sins would be remitted, they would be added to the family of Christ, the family that we're talking about, the heirs of Abraham. That was foretold in Genesis chapter 12. And then you go down into verse 39. It says, For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. All have the opportunity to bow at the feet of Jesus. All have the opportunity to give praises to Jesus all have the opportunity, as they did in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, to have remission of sins by following him, by repenting, by being baptized, so that they could be a member of this church. Well, so that they could be a member of Christ's church, so that they could have their sins washed away. It says later on in the chapter, it says, And the Lord added to the church daily. We know the Lord adds them because of their obedience to his plan. Within the praise to God in Mary's account, within this praise that she gives to God, we can think about the great glory of God. We can think about the greatness, the magnificence of what he has done for us. But the question is, are we willing to follow the pattern that God has set in store? By design, God gave us his word that we can study, that we can come to have faith in, that we can believe, and we can understand that Jesus is the Christ. Christ gave us a plan that we could repent, as was mentioned in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. He gave us a plan that we could put him first, confessing him before men. Promises that he too will confess us before the Father which is in heaven. The question is, are we willing to follow him? Are we willing to repent, to confess him, to be baptized so that our sins can be remitted? If we are, the rewards are eternal. The rewards are everlasting because when this life is over, there is something that is far better. If you haven't given your life to Christ, can I ask why? 
You know, people talk about December 25th as it's a birthday. As I pointed out earlier, I don't believe December 25th has significance as the birth of Christ. I believe actually we could prove that it wouldn't be on this day. However, there is a birthday for everyone when they come into the body of Christ. If you haven't given your life to Christ, today could be your birthday. Now that doesn't make your birthday any better than anyone else's, but yet you can change your life today by repenting, by putting God first, by putting Him on in baptism, and being obedient for a lifetime. You could have a life with Christ and an eternity in heaven. If you haven't given your life to Christ, don't wait any longer. Please come as we stand and sing.